When you are down and out, how do you get up and go forward? Have you been prospecting for month on end, only to end up with one? Your past mistakes, habits, and limited belief prison your development? Or are you just kind of depressed about your current employment? There are many reasons to get down and start to get depressed about your situations. When you're down, do you know how to get back up in that right direction? Join us on Yes You Can podcast show. The new you start today, not tomorrow. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, welcome, welcome. This is Trevor Carter, your host. Welcome to Yes You Can podcast show. And we're back again, and believe it or not, it's now December, December 2020. We're almost coming to the end of the year. But we do have a very interesting guest who's with us all the way from the United States. And he has a very, I'm going to call it a very powerful story that I know most people out there will be able to relate to based on his experience in his life. So, uh, welcome to the show, Phil. Thank you very much, man. All right, so how are you today, sir? Uh, man, I'm grateful, man. Like I say, I'm just glad, man, that God woke me up, man. Another shot at life, you know? Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, Philip, what I like about your story is it has such a lot of information that some people are not aware of when they go through certain trials and tribulations. They just can't see it. But I think your story today is going to make people see things a little bit more clearer about the things that we all go through, different lifestyles, different troubles, and different heartaches. So, Phil, just for the sake of our listeners, you want to introduce yourself and say who you are and where you're from? Yes, sir. My name is uh, Philip Cooper. Um, 49 years old, one kid. I'm from Columbia, South Carolina. Um, due to the way of uh, me not going to Penn State, I went to the state pen, uh, I accomplished my GED while I was locked up and um, just been through hell and back, man. And I still had the devil pitchfork on my wall. So, you know, um, I'm just very grateful, man. You know what I'm saying? My mom living, my dad, he passed away two years ago due to, you know, complications of cancer. You know, I got uh, three sisters, one brother, and um, I'm just ready to motivate and inspire the world. Uh, okay, that's a big story because uh, you're inspiring the world and that's why we have you on this show. So, Philip, tell us a little bit about your upbringing um, before we move on to the heavy story by, based on what happened to you throughout your life. Well, you know, um, like I said, I grew up in uh, a country town called Columbia, South Carolina. And um, believe it or not, they got 27 penitentiaries. I believe they have more jailhouses and penitentiaries than schools. So, you know, we wasn't uh, really offered a lot. You know, it was a country town, man. So, you know, we started off playing, you know, red light, green light, stick ball, going to the park, you know, just no, doing what normal kids do. I grew up in a single parent home. My mom, you know, she raised five kids in a um, one bedroom house. So, you know, it was basically um, my brother, you know, he graduated to the streets and I wanted to be like him. So I didn't have a father figure, you know, uh, mm-hmm. And when I was in school in the age, uh, I think I was in the fourth grade, they said that I was emotionally handicapped and I had a learning disability. Due to my bad behavior, they put me in emotional handicap class and told me, you know, that I was I was LD. So, you know, from fourth grade all the way up to ninth grade, I found out that I didn't have a learning disability and I wasn't emotionally handicapped. 
So wow. you know, that father figure in school, I was looking for the father figure at home, and I only seen you know Good Times, uh, the Jeffersons, you know uh, Mr. T, things of that nature, you know. Um, so it wasn't wasn't no father figure to look for at home. So I went to the streets. Then the peer pressure took over. So you know, I started stealing bikes. Then when I started stealing cars, and but me, I was like a, a loner. So I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go with a wind blow. So you know, I always uh, insecure because I was so skinny. And, you know, my brother he ran the street with an iron fist. So you know, everything I tried to do, like far as dealing with the criminology, criminology, I failed. So you know, I started drinking. You know, at an early age, you know, smoking a little joints. You know, it started off there. You know, it started off as a monkey. Then it mm-hmm. become a big gorilla. You know what I mean? So you know, the reefer went from uh, lacing cocaine with the reefer. Then I, I ran out of that. Then I went straight to crack cocaine. So, you know, at the age of 18, 19, I'm going to start smoking crack. And the reason why I say that, I don't say drugs because you don't know I'm specific because mm-hmm. crack cocaine ruined my life. It, it, mm-hmm. That's just the backstory of it. I think because I didn't have a father figure and I looked for it in school, I looked for it on TV, then I went to the streets and I didn't even find it on the streets. Up to now, then I balance it out, the mental, the physical, and the spiritual. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I found out that it always been there, but I had a process I had to go through. Because uh, it's not a job, it's my calling to tell the world, you know, my upbringing, you know? Right. It's a, the very key point you mentioned, uh, we find the very same thing over here in the United Kingdom, with a lot of black boys growing up with no fathers. And it always become a missing piece for the boy to know how to be a man, how to defend himself. So we have to go outside and try and find that kind of comfort. So it's the same scenario over in Europe for a lot of black community over here. Um, so because of no father figure in there, you end up looking elsewhere trying to find a father figure. Was it a father figure to make you feel more valuable or a father figure to somebody who can just hug you and be there for you? What, what kind of father figure were you looking for? I was more of uh, to be there for me and to show me the way. Cause everything I had to find, I had to find out on my own. You know, I had to, uh, uh, my grandmother showed me how to cut grass. You know, uh, my grandmother and my mother showed me, you know, how to iron clothes. You know, everything I learned from a woman, but a woman only can teach you so much. Mm-hmm. So that's what I was looking for, somebody to be there, the stability. You know, pat right. on the back and say, yo, yo son, you did good. Right, you know, right. that was missing, that was missing. Right, right. Even though you have your brothers, that was still missing as well. Is that right? Yeah, but see, my brother was in the streets. So, you know, he, you know, he was, you know, uh, selling dope and stuff like that. So, you know, he did his own thing. So, you know, what I did is I was the one called use a sissy, use a mama's boy, use a punk, because I always would be home with my mother. So I had to prove to somebody that I'm a man, you know, right. early on, you know, still stole me a couple of cars, sold me a couple of pieces of dope, but that didn't make me a man. So, you know, he wasn't, my mother said, I don't want you to follow the first, the same footsteps your brother followed. So, but she don't understand, man. I was already consumed by the black rage. Right, right, right. So obviously you went onto the streets and started getting involved in things at a young age. How long have you spent life on your street before the scenario changed where things got a little bit more different? How long were you on the street for and what kind of things were happening around you at that time? Oh man, I'm talking about, uh, 
I was in the street for about 15 years, man, probably 15, oh. 16 years. I'm talking about uh, as a young age, you know, we seen a lot, you know what I'm saying? Purse snatching, shootings, mm -hmm. house invasions, carjacking, you know. I mean, and then it's, it's not watered down. It's like reality. This is what's happening. So most of my people, we went to Department of Ju Juvenile Justice. And most of us, that's where we have our family reunion at. You know, so from 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 DJJ, we graduate from the big house. So everybody that was in the streets with me, we seen each other in DJJ and the big house. So you know, right. it was like it was all we had. Mm -hmm. You know, it's no, it's not an excuse now. Mm -hmm. It's not a, a scapegoat, but that's all we had. You know, right, 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 right. So because people tend to look at that and say there are two sides of the coin while people are on the street. One, there's no jobs. Two, no family support. Where do you come in when you were on the street? Were it both or just one? Well, uh, my mother had this thing she called tough love. So right. she always taught us to work. You know, look, you gonna you got to, my boys got to stand on their own two feet. So it always the work been there. I think it was more of the family support. You understand what I'm saying? Like I yeah. need uh, uh, my mother was there, but she had to raise three girls. And she uh -huh. see that sons was already lost in the streets. So she had to raise them. You know, I guess she loved, she raised them and loved us. You dig right. it? So she showed them she had to pay attention to the girls for they won't get lost in the sauce. You know right. what I mean? I think, I think my boy wasn't really working. It just was uh peer pressure. You know, right. you, you ain't you ain't a man unless you do this. Let me knock the chip off your shoulder across the line. Because I wasn't a fighter. I used to run all the time. My brother was the fighter. So I guess right. it's family support, you know? Right. That's what I was missing too. Right, right. Okay, so uh, obviously at a young age, you're on the street for 15 years. Um, at that time, what was running through your mind for so long as a young person on the street? Was there a way out for you? Did you ever think to yourself, you know what, I've got to get out of it? Or were you in a situation where you felt, Nah, this is not going to happen. This is my home now. Street. What was mentally going through at that time for you? For well, you so know, everything was about um, choices and decisions because I always had a place to stay. I chose the streets. You know, I, I look, I chose the streets. You know, you're going to do this or you're going to do that. So my mm -hmm. choices and decisions, land, you know, it was some devastating consequences. So it, it, I, I didn't want a way out. I loved it. You know, mm -hmm. I love, you know, it's like no rules. You could do what you want. So once you yeah. fall into that, you know, I, uh, I chose homelessness, you know, right. chose that. You know, I could have uh -huh. went home anytime, but it was just right. like, I love being in the streets. No rules. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that, that was obviously, that's a lot of emotional attachment. That's a lot of um, rejection, but you felt valuable because Street was something where you said, yeah, this is me. This is where I am. And you were on it for so long. Now, what, 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 when you were so much involved in the community in the street, what things did you experience that you never experienced before that you wish you'd never seen? What kind of things did you say you were experiencing? Oh, man, um, uh, the penitentiary. The, the, you know, the, you know to, to commit a crime, you know, uh, armed robbery, that's what I was doing. I was robbing people. So mm -hmm. you commit a crime, 
with kids in the house. So when I seen that, it was like, man, to hell with everything. But to yeah. be in a country with somebody you grew up with, that he telling you that he got four life sentences. Right. And man, you supposed to have a life sentence with me. I mean, mm -hmm. that's it. So I, I figured that I seen this, I don't want no more. Right, right, right. But cutting from the streets. Right. So what I yeah. seen when I go in people's houses, rob them and see the kids, and the kids ain't asked for this. So right. I was starting to get mindful. I was starting to have a uh, conscience. Right. Time went past, you know what I'm saying? So when I right. seen that, I knew, man, it was time to uh, make some adjustments. Right, right, right. And what age was that when you start to make that adjustment? Man, I started, uh, um, about 35. Wow. I'm talking about, it still haven't hit home yet now. I started to yeah. make the adjustments, but it was like, uh, you can stop, but I didn't stay stopped. You understand what I'm right. saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I kept starting the same thing. I kept doing the same thing, expecting, hoping, and wishing for a different result. But right, I didn't right. really get it right until I was 40 years old. Right, 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 right. Now, because I've been away from drugs, pills, cocaine, reefer. I don't do nothing for seven years. So I didn't get this right until I was 40 years old. Wow. Why do you think it took so long? What made you realize? What was the real reason for that? Uh, loving it. <coughs> loving, right. loving, loving getting away with murder. You understand what I'm saying? The more yeah. I got away with it, the more I want to do it. Then it started getting severe. It started to weigh on my psychology. It started to weigh on, it's not only weighing on my physical that got me looking like a beast, but it mm -hmm. started to weigh on other things, my integrity. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Start to weigh on my spirituality, like right. you know. So I say it's time to not to make the adjustments to make the change. Right, 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 right. And so when you're going through those situations, how many times do you get stopped and searched and arrested in jail? Was it how many times was that happening to you? Well, you know, I, went, I think I've been to the county about fifteen times. I've been to the penitentiary three times, not counting right. upstate New York, but I'm talking about. Three times, same thing. All the armed by armed robbery, starting by the highway nature, starting by the intent to kill, you know, stuff like that. Cause you know, I was labeled as a, a, a jack boy. You know, this brother right. would rob you from your drugs. And all that rob with drug dealers, but uh the judge say they were citizens too. Right. I didn't think so. So um right. it, it just been it been it been it, been, it, been, it, it was mad, man. It was mad. Right, right, right. I lost, my, I lost everything. You know what I'm saying? Everything. Right, right, right. right. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, we have Philip with us from Atlanta, United States, and he has a story that I know that people out there who are probably going through something right now, being on the streets and not having a father figure. Well, Philip's here to fill that gap for you. And I tell you, this is a powerful story. And uh, Philip, I don't know what to say here, but I can say it's such an honor to have you and to be able to share openly about how your life and what's happening. Now, that's something I want to ask you, especially with black males. Um, do you find it very hard that black males are able to open up like yourself to really say what's going on, that hurting? 
or do you tend to find that they hold on and just go through what they're going through without sharing? And why do you think it is the situation where black men cannot really open up when they're going through scenarios like yourself? Well, I think we got to confuse with what's being a man. You know, we confuse of uh, most of us is still stuck in the boy state. You know, I mean, I didn't say the mothers can't raise the boy to be a man, but we missing to the the man. The man can teach the man how to be a man because we got to transform from the male to the boy, the boy to the man. Most of us have an acceptance. That's the word. That's it. Acceptance is the is, is the biggest thing. We're not accepting our process, man. We got to confuse what's being a man and what's being a boy. Most of us is 50 years old and acting our shoe size. So that's the whole thing. I don't think that we want to process and accept uh, that we're, we're not men yet. So once right. you begin to accept that you're a man and know that man, a man ain't a person who sell dope, steal cars, mess with a lot of women, a man is one who provides for himself, who stand on his own, who's, uh, who have values, you know, who have integrity, so, you know, who believe in themselves. But this is the only thing. We have the mental, physical, right. spirituality in the middle. Okay. You know, we and have all, okay. So all three have to be aligned with each other in order to find your real self, correct? Correct. That's it. They may not be the answer, but it's, it's one of the... Uh, it's it's the top three, right? Uh, to the uh, uh to the uh to the solution. I mean uh to the problem, you know. Right. You got to balance it out. Spirituality have to be in the middle. We're not gonna argue about religion, but whatever your spirituality is, you yeah. know, you don't want to be physically strong and mentally weak. You want to be physically strong, mentally strong, and your spirituality will balance it all out. That oh. that's a man. That's a man. According to your thinking, makes you a man. Right. Now, here's the interesting thing. You mentioned something there. We have a lot of our sisters, even in the UK. Oh, you're not a man. You're not acting like a man. We get a lot of that happening. Now, sisters over in the state saying, he's not a man, he's not a man. I want to ask you, Philip, I think you've highlighted some of it already. What is a man and what makes a man? Because we're getting the same question over time. What's your perspective on that? Well, my perspective is your thinking. Your thinking, according to your thinking, you have some people who's 36 but think like a 12-year-old, you know? So it's that thinking. And a lot of women, they're confused with the um thing too. That's why they say, how are you going to know what a man is and you're a woman? That's like me telling you you're not a woman. So they're saying, uh, because you don't work, because you don't do this, because I can understand that. But that don't take away from my manhood. I'm mm. still a man. Yeah, yeah, but I act like a boy, so that's what they're looking at. They looked at the ways how we act and how we think. So, according to how you think, makes you a man, right? Right, so according to how you think, what kind of education should the man give to the boy in order for him to think like a man when he gets a man? Because we tend to find a lot of misinformation about education, some relying on the school's system to teach them to be a man. And they come home, they're still a boy. And then the father's not around. He can't teach him miseducation. So from your perspective, Philip, what education would you say men who are men or supposed to be men teach a child to be a man? What kind of, can you take me through the process? Well, I would think it's life on life terms. They, they say experience is the best teacher. Experience is good, but education 
it's better. When I say educate, if you got experience, you can teach the boy something. Mm -hmm. Most of us trying to help the boy to become a man and they don't even have experience, even what they've been through. So now I know that my process, I think more of us who went through a process of experience and educated from the street, the school and life on life terms, we can teach them. We can say, my brother, hold up before you make that terrible mistake. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I got mm-hmm. this thing called CDC, Choices, Decisions, and Consequences. Right. We, we have to start talking to our kids early on about things and let them know there's consequences behind what you do. You understand? Mm-hmm. I would not support your nonsense. So people with experience, like me, you, or whoever, I think more of us should come together and educate the young mm-hmm. minds. You know, right. not right, to encourage right. them to keep sagging, to keep carrying pistols. No, but I'll, if we just save one little kid and help one boy to become a man, I think we did a good job. Right, absolutely. Because your life, uh, you said you went on the street, that made you a man. Not because you wanted to go on the street, but the lifestyle made you become a man that your father wasn't able to do. So obviously you went through um, robbery and etc. Take me a little further. When did the turning point turn to you to realize this has to stop? Well, Ah, man, it's crazy. September the 23rd, I was smoking crack in my mama's bathroom, 2013. And she Mm -hmm. said, Philip, it's time for you to do something better. I'm like, I just got kicked out the house with this girl. So I had nowhere to go. I was sleeping on my mama's couch. So mm-hmm. I didn't want to run back to the streets and start back robbing. So she said, I pay for the ticket to go to North Charlotte, North Carolina. But I didn't, I didn't mess over them people up there. So that's when my process started. When my mother came and said, you can't smoke dope in here no more. Mm-hmm. So I said, oh, Lord, what to do? I don't know what else to do. Mm-hmm. You know, I just got out of jail. I just got out 2010, 2013. I'm still doing the same thing. So my mother never would have came to me and said, it's time for you to get your life right. And I stepped out. When I stepped out, I had nothing, no spirituality. My mental was tore, my physical was messed up. So when I went out into the world, all I had was me and God. God had it well. I didn't have nobody but me and him. That's it. Mm-hmm. Right, I had to right, trust right. the process. Right, right, that's right. What made me Take me through that. When you said trust the process, take me a little further. What would that process? Well, the, the process is uh, you have to go through the bad decisions before you get to the good decisions. Mm-hmm. You have to go through the first 10,000 bad photos before you get to the 10,001 best photo. See, Michelangelo didn't start out the best. Mm-hmm. He had to go through the bad, the 10 to 20,000 bad paintings before he know knew that he was Michelangelo. So, you know, that's the process. Your process is the failure. Your Mm -hmm. process is getting up when you fall. Your process is not complaining about every, it's about me. It's all about me. I'm Mm -hmm. sorry. I don't know why nobody won't look out for me. Mm -hmm. That's it. Your process is your process, but it's through the bad decisions and it's through failure that you get through the process. 
They say it ain't to go through, it's to get through. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it's what you get through, then you start to look back and say, dog, man, I made it that far. Because that spirituality was all, always been there. Your God and your understanding always been there. When you fail, it took no energy to fall. It took a lot of energy to get up. That's the process to get right, through your right. bad decisions, to get to your good decisions. Right, right. Now, when you said your mother turned around to you and said you have to stop smoking dope with a sh- with a with a shot to your way, it was like it really made you realize. Well, just speaking that, it made me realize. I've got to stop this. What I want to ask you, you said you had nobody. Was there any time in your life on the street and coming off the street, you had brothers or father figures who came up to you and became a father to you and showed you the uh, way? Man, not on the streets. Not on the streets. Because all the people that I looked up to, we all was in the jail cell together. So it was in the penitentiary that I found brothers that was like my father, man. So that's what I meant. It was the, that was the process. So I didn't know that I was gonna find the, 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 the man that in the penitentiary, that they looked up to me, but I also looked up to them. And I looked at them as fathers, you know, and never getting out of the penitentiary. And he always been around me and they always poked at my potential. Right. And, and it's like, hey, yo, man, you, you should be a motivational speaker. This was always 2005, wow. be a comedian. I want to be a comedian. He was like, no, brother, not a comedian. He said, you're going to be the voice for us. But I couldn't see that. You understand? Like a father, this man, Muhammad, was like a father figure. This man, Kareem, this man, Universal, they was like father figures. And they always put at my potential. Man, you should Mm -hmm. do this. You should do that. I should give you some suggestion that, man, this ain't the place for you. You need to go out there and be a voice for us. I'd be like, nah, I, mean, I want to be a comedian. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. They say, God wants you to have a car. You want to have a car, but God wants you to have the car lot. Right, Sometimes right, right. Sometimes people know what's best for us, right? Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. And I think that's where you were talking about the 365-degree turning around started there, correct? Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. So, so where does that lead you to now at this present time? Well, you know, at this present time, um. When I got to Atlanta seven years ago, I didn't have a nickel. I had nowhere to stay, nothing to drive. All I had was uh, I had a wheel to stay clean. That's it. I said, I got to do it. I got to do it. Because when I got here, I was staying in shelters. I've been to four shelters. So now I got my own place, own car, you know, I tend to a dog. You know, I got my, I got my own dog. So, you know, I've yeah. been through some rough times, but I ain't picked up no dope. You understand right. what I'm saying? Yeah. So now uh, the drugs ain't the only thing to alleviate the pain and the pressure. Right, you right, know? right. So right. why I'm at now, man, I just want to uh, share my story, man, and, uh, and, and not only talk to young folks, man, but I want to let people know that you, we can get out of a lot of hellish situations. And if you leave your hat in the lion's den, don't go back and get it. Just buy right. another one. Right, That's right, what I right. want to know, man. We'll go back in the lion's den, but we don't know. This time we might stay in there 20 years. And mm-hmm. the lion's den, is, 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 it can be anything. Right, it, can right. be, it can be your wrong choices, but it's a lion's den. It's not a sheep's den. 
Yeah. So you know when you go in there, it might be 20 lions at the, at the door to stop you from coming back out. And that might have you to stay in there five to 10 years. So my plight now is to save people from themselves. Right, right, right. So tell me, Philip, how are you getting your message out? Writing ebooks, podcasting, trying to get online like this, or what kind of way are you getting your message out there? Uh, Instagram, YouTube, um, uh, Facebook. Uh, post every day. I post a message every day, Instagram every day, and Facebook. You know, um, it, 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 it seems like uh, it's kind of twisted because if I think sometimes I said I was posting pistols and all kind of drugs, people support you. But this ain't a job. It's my calling. So I'm going to continue to do it. So, you know, I'm using the media. So somebody say, won't you try to be a guest on the podcast? I say, wow, I never thought about that. So I got one Thursday with uh, Ron Burgess. I got one Thursday with him. So, you know, I, I send out to a lot of people because I, right. I, I, I don't have the answer. I don't have the story. I'm just one of the ones, right. you know, that can help somebody to, to save them from themselves. Because right. somebody had to save me from me, you know? Right, right, right. So I want to ask you, Philip, um, based on your experience and what you've been in, you've been hell and being back, you're now on a platform where you're getting your message out there to save the lives of our brothers and our young boys. Where do you think is going wrong or gone wrong with the males and the men, especially in the United States where you are living? Because we hear a lot about it. We failed, we're not doing right. Nobody's coming with any answers what the problem is. What's your experience, sir? Mine is that I think we uh, browbeat them too much. We uh, go at them, uh, we go at them with, I should have, if I was you. We can't mm -hmm. go at them like that. If I was you, you should have. So I think most of us, they say, you don't need to change the teacher. You need to change your teaching plan. Mm -hmm. The way you go at them. You understand? Mm -hmm. Don't mm -hmm. talk at them, talk to them. Mm -hmm. You know, I think most of us, uh, we don't have the relating skills to uh, identify to what they're going through. And That's we right. go chop them down. You know, we take the axe and start chopping at, the, at, the, at their feet and they buck on us. You know what I'm saying? We'll right. forget that we once was like them. We may ain't sat in our pants. We may have been something else that we were suffering from. And right. I think right. that's the way we, we go at them instead of to them. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. Now, obviously, we hear about role models in our community, especially in Europe, um, African Caribbean community, the black community. They look at sportsmen, uh, celebrities, and etc. Is it right or wrong that we should focus on them for us to be the man, or it should it be the other way around? What do you think, sir? Because everybody, young people, want to be like this. They want to be like Michael Jordan. They want to be this. They want to be that. But from your experience. What is a role model and who can be a role model? Is it the people that we see every day or in general? Well, I think the people that we can see every day, because I think everybody wants uh, been through something. You understand? Even the bum on the street, uh, because I think we can, they say you can learn a lot from a dummy. You can learn a lot. You can learn from anybody. Anybody can be your role model. You don't have to, you don't have, to have 15 million and, and uh, mad gold teeth for me to be uh, to follow you. You understand? Right. I think we got this conception of that. I think that uh, we're more believing the hype, you know? Right. So I think that uh, it's more of a um, example to keep being an example. Some of us may not say nothing, but we can be good examples. 
Mm-hmm. You know, don't bet because nobody, everybody's following Jay-Z and Beyonce and nobody's following you, but somebody's always watching. It's some little mm-hmm. kid that's watching and is mimicking you and you're not Jay-Z or Beyonce. Right, so right, the, right. My thing is to continue to be that example to do, they say, when you do right when nobody is looking. Right, right. So somebody, some little kid is watching, I believe that. I believe that, you know, because the bum on the street can teach you something, man. Right, That's right, what I, yeah. All right. So what, what kind of people you look up to, Phil, in your life? Who do you oh, say man, you look, I look up to? I look up to a lot of old folks, man, like, uh, Oh, for, I, I, mean, I got some young brothers, man. He's like 24 years old. They doing their thing, man. And um, and uh, 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 they follow me on Instagram, man. Like uh, this young brother called uh, Pharaoh Dante. You know, I, I look up to this brother, man. He's very strong, man. You know, uh, and we teach each other. So I don't want us to get age twisted that we can't teach each other because we ain't a certain age. But I look up to like older people, like right. older people, man, because they always tell you their regrets. And it helped me to say, when they say, live your life to the fullest, man. Because most folks in the old folks home, they talk about what they regret, what they mm-hmm. should have did. Right, so, right. you know, I look up to them what not to do, you know? Mm-hmm. So they teach me to say, look, man, live your life. Bits and pieces of information that we can get on our way. So I even got some young brothers. I got some young sisters, you know, that I look up to that's uh, very extravagant, man. They, 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 they bright. You know, and we help each other. We shine each other gold. You know what I'm saying? So, right, right. Just young brothers, old folks. You know, it don't matter. It don't matter race, color, creed. You know, whatever right. you do, if you're doing something that I can say, oh man, I like that. Cause you know, right. for today. Yeah, interesting. Because here's the final question I want to ask you: Would you say the young people today are different mindset? to the ones in our time, because I'm around your age um, during that time. Is there a difference? Or are they, the young people in our days compared to now, are they behavior and thinking different or, or not? What do you say, sir? True indeed, because you got the brothers back in uh, the 60s don't think like the brothers in the 80s. Because I think <laughs> yes. the circumstances and situations was different. The Black Panthers was different back then. Because they yes. situation circumstances had them had to react and think in a different way. These brothers now, they have access to how to make a bomb, mm-hmm. how to kill mm-hmm. somebody. We didn't have that kind of access, like in the 80s, and you go back to the 70s, the 60s and 50s, where there was nothing. Right. They used like, we had wind up cars to all the way to their cars doing 150 miles per hour. So mm-hmm. you know, I think because things have advanced so much, these brothers today is more um, susceptible to knowledge, man. So I think the ones today, they're more great. They, they, they're more, um, they, they can be better than us. Mm-hmm. You know, they're young, so they used to get in where they fit in. Look, you got a computer where you can type some stuff in how to crash a plane. It'll tell you that. So imagine right. you put in how to treat a black woman. Right, 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 right. How to be successful. This uh-huh. thing gives you the information that we didn't have. Mm-hmm. They're, mm-hmm. More, they're more successful these days if they was to know their potential, their worth, and who they are. Right, right, right. What about communication-wise? Do you feel that communicating enough with the young people today compared to our time? Do I feel today? Yeah. Do you think they communicate more 
human to human, or do you feel they're distracted from that by going on the PlayStation and getting involved in social media? They are distracted badly, but that's where restraints and discipline come in at. Because all of right. us, they were all of us resilience and tenacity. He gave all of us that. So mm -hmm. they is certain thing. If I sit in front of a computer every day and typing all the wrong stuff in, what well, I'm gonna learn? Mm. So, you know, I think they're more distracted by the world. You know what I'm saying? The world will have them so distracted by the time they wake up, they'll be my age. I didn't I didn't get it right. Started to get this thing right till I was 40 years old, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Long time. Long time. I supposed to be somewhere sitting in the house, uh, retired. You understand what I'm saying? Working on retirement. But that wasn't the case. Right, So right, I think right. they're more, they're more uh, they can be more successful than we was, man. You know, without all the hard, hard, hard work. You understand what I'm saying? We paved right. the way for the ones now. But they just right. distracted right now by the world. That's it. Okay. Very powerful, Phil. Very powerful, Phil. One final question. Um, if you could turn the clock back, do a, a backflip to the archive, what would you say you would change? What would it, you would change? I won't. I don't. I won't. Uh, okay. My book is called, that I'm writing, it's called If I Can Turn Back the Hands of Time. That's the name uh, of the book. I'm so I don't want to change mine. Because if I go back, I might change it to where I die. Mm -hmm. It don't make it to 40. You understand right, what I'm saying? Right. That's yeah. why I want people to say that. We don't know when death is going to be around the corner. So I can change it back to say, I, I should have, I should have wish I can change it back when I want to try to play basketball to get in the NBA. Imagine yeah. I would have played in the NBA, then died in a car crash. I mean, so I I, I don't want to turn back the hands of time. Somebody might answer that to you, for you one day, but I don't want to turn back the hands of time at all. Oh, wow. That's why, that's why I'm writing a book. You know what I'm saying? I love my process, man. My process was my process, and it's going to save somebody from themselves. Right, right. So this book, it's finished now, this book, or you're just publishing no, actually, it? I'm in the middle of it. I'm in the middle of it. Um, I'm like... Writing it backwards, you know. I'm like when my mother told me, "Hey, you need to get it," and I'm going backwards. But it's a twist right. to it, you know. What I'm it's a twist. Right. So, right, right. So it's, uh, it's working out, man. It's working out. I'm handwriting it, so you know. <laughs> I don't know how to type that good on the computer, so I'm handwriting it. You know, it's, it's pretty good. Oh. Though, you know okay, right. So, Phil, what's interesting about this? You are more than what you believe you could do. The true nature of your talent is coming out after all the drama you've been through. Because I've experienced it myself. When I went through dramas, I worked with a lot of young people in the prisons and etc. They become who they who they they become who they are, but they didn't know who they were from the beginning until they go through the drama. They become writers, they become publishers, they become, you know, etc. and etc. And what I'm discovering now is like. Is this who Phil really is now? Phil, that who you are now is what you were before. It's just that now it's coming out, correct? Correct, correct, correct. Like I said, it's the process, man. Yeah. They say the uh, you know the stuff that we went through, I went through, made me the man I am today. Right. You understand? Not perfect, but not that same stuff. You understand what I'm saying? Somebody told me this. You need to start to make new mistakes. I'm like, what? <laughs> Mistakes, make new mistakes, you know, make, oh man, 
oh, oh yeah. man, in the car. You know, I didn't have a car, so I couldn't leave the keys in the car. So you start to make new mistakes. Then I think right. we're better than we think. So we can think right. we're doing bad, but actually we're doing good. Right, 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 right. So what's your long-term plan, Phil, with what you're doing at the moment? What's your plan? Oh, man, my plan is, man, um, to travel the world. And I, mm -hmm. I want to let people know that it don't matter what age you are. Right. You know, age ain't nothing but a number. So let's not get uh, caught up in how old you are. Oh, man, that man, 47 years old, he waits, he gave out. No, 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 no. I want to show people my age that it's not too late. So I want to travel yeah. the world. You know, and London and England is one of the places, man, because Ash Fowler, Ashley Chen, he's from out there where you at. You know? oh, okay. And, uh, yeah, and, uh, and, uh, and I always want to come to London, you know what I'm saying? I always want right. to come to So, you All know, right. one, one day, you know what I mean? So I just want to travel the world, man. Absolutely. Where, which particular place you, you want to travel? What do you have in mind? Which country? I really don't want to go to Africa. I don't really want to go to Africa because, you know, everybody talk about Africa. So I want to go there. That's, that, ah. that, that's one. That's it. And I want to go to Germany, man. You know, I want to go to Germany. Germany don't, you know, Germany, you know, I heard a lot of people talk about it. We're stationed in Germany. So I want, yeah. you know, Africa and Germany. The main ah. two. You know what I'm saying? Okay. All right. Well, I'll tell you what. I've been to Africa. I've been to Ghana, South Africa. And I have to personally say, my first time going there, my life was changed. I've never been the same person again. As soon as I landed, that was it. I was a different person. And I'm still that way since I went there. Because it's a different atmosphere. It's a diff it, it opened your eyes so much. You're like, wow. And when you come back, it's like you do a double backflip. Looking about how you've lived and where you've lived. You're like, nah, this is a lie. This is not real. There's so much you can learn. And uh, again, there's so many writers in Africa, talented writers, talented young people who are now in the ghetto, who are actually designing cars. Wow. They can design cars, they can put the wheels on, they can do telephone communication. These are people in the ghetto. So it's a matter of investing in them, you get their investment back. And I think that's where you're looking at, Phil. With your work, it will be empowering opportunity for the people in that country. And again, Africa is flourishing. It's flourishing more than what most people think. So um, so with you, Phil, I think uh, you've got a lot to offer. And I'm so excited about your book. I'll be looking forward to that. When, when, when do you think it's going to be ready, your book? Uh, I'm going to try to have probably middle of uh, 2021. Okay, right. And, then, right. and that's when I'm really going to start pushing it. You know, I'm going to push it probably three months before I bring it out. You right. know. Because, you know, I'm going to get the, uh, you know, once I get the good connections to get the right people to publish it, things of that nature. So, you know, I'm, I'm working on it diligently. So, you know, it's it, it's going to come out. You know what I'm saying? It's going to be out. Okay. So that book is merely for what age group can read that book, what you've written? Oh, man, I'm talking about like from about 14 years old on up. Oh, right. So, you know, it's, it's like, it's, it's more of like, you know, uh, uh, showing folks that, uh, you can go through hell and get out of hell. You can, mm -hmm. you, once you get the lions, then you can escape the lions. You know what I'm saying? So, mm -hmm. you know, that's, that's what it's showing. It's like most of self-help, you know, uh, uh, to show you uh, how black boys is getting stunted for being men through the system, school system, through uh, peer pressure, through the churches, mm -hmm. through TV, you know. Right. Right.
Philip Cooper, what can I say? It's been an opportunity and a fantastic time to be speaking to you. I, I love that you're actually stepping up the game and you're putting yourself out there, writing your book and getting your message on, on Instagram and etc. Um, could you give us your contact details if anybody wants to get in touch with you, uh, with your book? Yeah, and man, um, you can give me um, an email. It's teens on, uh, teens on point at yahoo.com. Um, uh, Instagram is at Phil on the Mission. Also, my YouTube is at Phil on the Mission, too. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, when you see Phil on the Mission, man, I'm the Phil on the Mission. So, you know, my y'all, uh, I got my Facebook is Out the Mud, Motivation. Um, so, you know, um, I, I post every day, every day. Instagram, like I said, Phil on the Mission, check me out, support it. Like I say, man, uh, it's growing, but sometimes I think that I need more support from the people. But uh, mm -hmm. the more work you put in, uh, uh, you're going to begin to see. They say you get what you scribe for, you soon see your scribe and come to site. You know? Right. So, right, you know, right, I, right. My fruits of my labor, you know, it, it, it's, about, it's about to flourish. Because the podcast is the first of my first podcast. But, like, I got okay. something lined up. So, you know, I think the podcast is going to help. It's going to help put you in a different way. Right, right, right. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, Philip. What can I say? I want to say on behalf of our listeners, uh, yes, you can. We want to say thank you for your time. Thank you for your input. It's been such an empowerment and inspiration. And here's the reason why, particularly in the time we're living in right now, I think everybody's looking for answers. And I think you've given some of those answers after somebody can get out of hell to be where they are today. If you can do it, they can do it. And I think your interview has allowed people to take that on board. So ladies and gentlemen, please do get in touch with Philip. Uh, you never know. Until you get in touch, you never know what opportunities may be for you as well as for Philip. So please do get in touch with him by Instagram and his social media. So Philip, I want to say thank you, sir. We salute you. And I wish you all the best with your work and uh, continue with what you're doing. And looking forward to your book. Well, man, thank you, man, for the opportunity, man. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay, you take reward, care. God rewards you for your rewards, man, and your efforts, brother. Okay, thank you very much. I appreciate it. And we will keep in touch. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you, brother.